Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I'm Ryan Noonan, joining me as always, fellow 444.com writer, Connor Allen. Uh, man, how was week 10? I know you had a, a nice points bet hit that you want to talk about. Oh yeah, I, I was I, I I almost forgot about that with you know everything that's been going on. Shut with up. My... <laughs> no way! <laughs> Don't even just cut it out. Like it was uh, a nice hit. Don't give me that. I forgot about it. It's like one of those uh, you posted on Tuesday. I forgot I even made this play, man. Screenshot life. Like okay, so so it was a points bet for Mayfield under on his passing yards. Uh, the line was two hundred six. And for those of you who you know aren't super familiar with points bet, I've, I've talked about it a little bit here. Um, for every point or every yard over under the total that it goes, you win X amount of whatever you put down. So say, so Mayfield's passing yards was 206 over under. He, um, he wound up 74 yards under that total. So I won 74 times my money. Um, the issue is that they withhold your money. Um, so that if you, if it goes 74 yards over, like, you know, you already have that money in the account. Um, so I wasn't able to get very much down. Uh, but still, I mean, it was a nice, you know, 74x win there on Mayfield's under. And I, I talked about it. I I texted Noonan. I texted some other people. I don't know if you guys bet it, but uh, I mean, that win. It was just there was such a low ceiling on the game that even if he did somehow get over 206 yards, it would be like 220. You know, I wouldn't lose that much money. And I thought the floor was like you know 75 to 100 yards. And I you know we wound up with 130. So yeah, I mean, it was that was probably that saved my week. Honestly, I think the, the rest of the week was kind of just like even. Yeah, theoretically, it seems like always an exciting play to get over at points bet. But like to your point, sometimes like you got to put a mortgage down just to hold the bet, and then it's like, oh man, like do I want to really risk you know something happen where uh, if you know you're betting an over and someone goes down with an injury? I think you kind of handled it the right way. It was really a weather situation, you know, low passing volume offense, uh, just kind of a perfect storm, and I think you handled it well. So yeah, last week otherwise was kind of a bloodbath. I know. Uh, you know, you, Evan, and I, uh, Daigle, too, we were pretty heavily on uh, Seattle there, and it did not work out so well in the team total standpoint and kind of took a bath in some other situations. But, uh, hey, on to week 11, we're excited this week. Our guest is the author of Stealing Signals, a weekly newsletter that is just chock full of actionable data each and every week. You can find his work as well over at Odds Checker. It is Ben Gretsch. Ben, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh both of you are, are are people that I don't know if I've potted with before, but I have wanted to for a long time. So I'm definitely excited to, to jump on talk or uh, talk a little week eleven with you guys. Yeah, for sure. We are excited to have you on, Ben. Been a big fan of Ben's work, stealing signals. If you are not familiar, um, go over to Ben's Twitter handle at yards per Gretsch. Uh, you can find a link to get over there. It is absolutely worth your time and your money as just kind of the way to jumpstart your week to understand usage and kind of how things went the week prior. Uh, ben does a great job with that for sure. All right, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about our friends over at Underdog before we jump in. We are all familiar with snake drafts. A lot of us got our start that way back in the day, just old school, uh, you know, season long stuff. Uh, we all love big prizes as well. We all love, you know, multi week contests and big entry fees. So, Underdog just released an all new format. It's really cool, utilizing snake drafts called Battle Royale. Uh, it's one week you draft a team like you normally would, but instead of competing against other teams in your specific draft, you're going to compete against teams from other drafts as well. It allows them to pull together the prizes and offer big tournament style payouts, similar to what you're going to find on DraftKings and FanDuel while keeping the snake draft format that everyone's familiar with. So I think this is your week. Head over to Underdog uh, in the App Store and try Battle Royale when you sign up and deposit. 
Um, put four for four in the little box that pops up. Let them know you came from us and check it out. Let us know how it goes. Um, I know I have a few friends that are loving Battle Royale, so definitely worth your time if you're not familiar. And they offer lots of other games, and I think it's going to be a home for all of us for best ball uh, once we get into you know February and March and we're missing games and we just want to draft. So definitely check out Underdog in the App Store. All right, gentlemen, uh, week 11, four buys, Bills, Bears, Giants, Niners have the week off. Um, no buys next week, which is pretty interesting. Uh, week 11, so a lot of times we get plugged into like the DFS mindset and looking at a slate and like, oh, this is kind of a crap slate. But really, from a football standpoint, this is kind of an interesting one. There are five games where both teams have uh, three games over 500. So you got a bunch of six and threes, seven and two spots. You got tonight's game with the Cardinals and the, uh, the Seahawks. You got the Chiefs, Raiders, Packers, uh, Colts. Titans, Ravens, and the Rams and Bucks on Monday night. So some good actual football games this week, which are exciting. So uh, let's kick it off with that uh, Tennessee-Baltimore rematch. We have Baltimore, six-point favorites here at home, total at 49.5. And, uh, and again, these are going to move, so you might have it at different numbers in your book. Uh, might have moved even when we made these notes, so we'll, we'll circle back. But this is obviously a rematch of last year's divisional round matchup. Obviously the big dog, Derrick Henry, went off in that one. Baltimore moved the ball pretty well, but couldn't score. We've seen that really, that bugaboo has kind of continued this year. Uh, just really ill-equipped to come from behind right now. Public on the Titans here, coming off of a, a pretty bad home loss in the division last Thursday night to the Colts. Uh, ben, what are your initial thoughts on this one? Well, the Titans are, have been pretty interesting since Taylor Luan went down uh, four weeks ago. They've lost three of the last four games. They've ran the ball more than they've thrown it in that stretch, even though they've gone one and three. Uh, they, they've seemed to be protecting Ryan Tannehill. They've stayed very run heavy. I don't have the exact like, uh, pass rate versus expectation numbers for that four week stretch, but I would guess that they've been far run heavier than expectation. Tannehill's, uh, high in that stretch is only 30 pass attempts. His high is only 233 passing yards. So it seems like they're sort of trying to protect him without his left tackle. And they're really trying to lean on, um, lean on Henry. I mean, that high was two, 233 was against the in a loss to the Bengals by double digits and they still, you know, didn't throw more than 30 times, didn't hit even 250 pass yards. So um, an, initial thoughts there are, are some, you know, Tannehill unders, possibly the game under, I think Baltimore obviously run heavy, likes to, to play kind of slow. And with Tennessee showing this, this pretty heavy run lean lately, um, that's sort of where I'm at on, on the game is that this is not going to be a, a particularly fantastic game. The one player that I'm optimistic about is Mark Andrews. The Nick Boyle injury obviously was you know sad to see, but um, I think it's a boost for Andrews. He had the week prior, he had run fewer routes than than Boyle for the first time all season, and then Boyle goes out. Andrews' uh, usage you know ticks way back up. He has a season high seven receptions last week, ties the season high with I think it was nine targets. Um, so I'm I'm hopeful. You know, Andrews is a disappointment for fantasy, but I'm hopeful that we'll start to see. Um, you know, some of that upside that we thought we would get in draft season going forward now that now that Boyle's lost for the year. We've seen this earlier. This is kind of why we were on uh, Pittsburgh a few weeks ago, Connor, is that Tennessee's really poor in defending short passes. That was really how Pittsburgh beat them was just getting the ball out quick, letting their receivers make plays, you know, after the catch. So I think you could see that again. That sits up pretty well to Ben's point for Andrews here. And it could be another good spot for for Derrick Henry. I know this is not a great matchup on paper per se, but Calais Campbell both and Brandon Williams both appear likely to miss this one. It sets up pretty well for 
obviously what they want to do and, and do well. So what are your thoughts on this game? I mean, yeah, we just saw the Ravens basically like give or uh, the Patriots give the game plan uh, to the Titans of like what they should do against this True. Ravens team in terms of running. And I think a lot of that running they did was pretty similar to like what the Titans do. I mean, it was a lot of like Cam under center handing the ball to Damian Harris uh, and Harris was finding, you know, just massive holes uh, and really pounding the ball there. So I think that Henry's going to have plenty of success. I think that they, the Tennessee is capable of winning here for sure. The issue is, is that, I mean, Baltimore should have plenty of success as well um, on the ground against Tennessee's defense, which is 27th in rushing success rate allowed. 20th rate. Um, the issue is like all three running backs were split pretty evenly in terms of touches with uh, Dobbins seeing the most amount of snaps. Um, so I don't know. I don't really think there's too big of a prop lean there because like the usage is still just pretty much every week. It's kind of up in the air, it seems like. Um, but I do think that overall they probably will have some success on the ground as well as the Titans having success on the ground. I'm just not sure. I think Ben brought up a good point, like how fast the game moves. The total is at 49. So like you need this, you need these teams to be scoring touchdowns relatively quick. They can't just have, you know, 10 minute drives and score a touchdown um, because by the end of the game, you know, one punt, it'll catch up to you. So yeah, I, I don't really have too much here. And I think the point on Mark Andrews probably will be where I attack this game in terms of in terms of the prop market. Yeah, I don't think we saw any touches for Justice Hill, but I think he had some snaps last week too, which is just so frustrating. I mean, a three is enough. Like if you're going to have four guys mixing in and getting snaps, it's just super-duper annoying. We have Derrick Henry projected for 92.2 rushing yards. Seems like a pretty healthy number. Um, I'm guessing his prop comes out probably in the high 80s. Um, it's always so high. I know. But almost a touchdown too. I mean, so uh, there's obviously – some interest here. Um, how about on the receiving side? Obviously, on paper, a pretty bad matchup for the Tennessee pass catchers with you know Davis and, and Brown. But obviously, AJ Brown is the type of guy that can kind of supersede a cornerback matchup. Any interest in AJ Brown at all this week, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I, I love AJ Brown. People who follow me on Twitter know that I'm I'm very high on him. A little concern with him popping up on the injury report um, yesterday after practice. I haven't seen it today, but that's that's going to be one to watch uh, his status and um, the matchup is obviously not you know perfectly ideal. But he's the kind of guy that I will typically start through matchups. Uh, think that he can win despite it, although. You know, I noted I noted that Tennessee has not been throwing as much. And and when Brown has his bad games, it's when defenses are able to kind of commit some more resources to to Brown. And Daniel just doesn't really look his way. He'll try to take the one on ones elsewhere. Um so there's certainly some some downside risk here in, in this matchup for Brown. Yeah, that's the problem with him sometimes is that we can get there on just Uber efficiency, but yeah, it can come with so few targets sometimes, depending on how the game script breaks in the matchup. So Good points all around there. All right, next we'll move on to the Lions on the road against the Panthers. This one's going to be tough. Uh, Panthers, one-and-a-half-point favorites in most spots. Totals dropped as well, 45-and-a-half. Um, yeah, obviously with questions on both sides from an injury standpoint, um, you know, not only is Christian McCaffrey out again, but Teddy Bridgewater's status is currently up in the air as well. He took a, a low hit late in the game from JBP. Uh, good news appears that there is no structural damage, but he's been limited in practice. Beat writers have noticed um, him limping. He's pretty limited what he did today. Uh, looks like we're going to get P.J. Walker, who came in last week to replace him. Obviously, uh, you know, XFL stud that really, uh, you know, popped when we were just dying for any type of football. Is obviously a different level of talent here in the NFL. 
We'll see what happens there. And then there's obviously question marks on the Lions side too. Mixed reports around Kenny Galladay's availability. I think he's going to be fine, but like I saw from different beats today that he like practiced and didn't practice. And then DeAndre Swift pops up with, you know, coming off of really his breakout game with a brain injury, which is just an awful thing to hear, but I think just a bad way to say he was concussed. But uh, Connor, any initial leans on this one with all this information kind of up in the air? Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot up in the air. So the total is like only posted right now at one spot. It's 47. Um, they don't even know who's starting a quarterback. So I don't really know how you can even make that. And then um, William Hill is actually posting a three point spread in favor of the Panthers, <laughs> whereas everyone else has a one and a half or uh, even one point spread. So if you're looking for some kind of like arbitrage or, you know, like a, a middling there, you could probably try that. But yeah, I don't really know. I mean, in terms of this game, we don't know if Teddy's playing, like you said. Also, Stafford, I think he had like some something with his thumb too. It was like a dislocated thumb, or um, yeah. and so I mean, I don't. I think he's going to play. He'll probably be fine. But again, I mean, it doesn't help. So yeah, I don't know. Nothing really too strong on this. The only notes that I had was really related to DeAndre Swift seeing a big workload, and then now he's popping up on the injury report, and so I, <laughs> I don't know what to think. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's kind of all I got for this one. But anything jump out to you? Obviously, with all this up in the air. No, it's a tough game right now, uh, yeah. and, and I, I think we'll probably not see Swift. And I was, uh, you know, as excited as, as you guys were uh, that he kind of broke out last week, but popping up on on the injury report on Thursday, you know, with a concussion or in the concussion protocol, likely he's not going to get cleared. Um, in which case, you know, Adrian Peterson and Carryon Johnson props might be interesting, uh, but not, you know. <laughs> I'm not even sure what the, the split would be there and not thrilled about those those plays. But Carolina's rush defense certainly can be beat. There's uncertainty, you know, on, on Carolina's side with the QBs. There's there's uncertainty with Galladay, as you noted. It's uh it's a tough one to to handicap right now. Um even if we know that Bridgewater's out, they're talking about, you know, splitting the backup QBs. Uh PJ Walker, I'd love to see him play a full game, but they're talking about playing Will Greer for half of the game as well. Um I, I'm I'm pretty high on Walker, who was the MVP of the XFL and is uh, uh, an exciting mobile, down, more of a downfield passer than Bridgewater. But if it sounds like Greer's going to play two, Greer's had some struggles in, in a small sample so far, I would be a lot less optimistic about the Carolina receivers. Yeah, yeah. if he was getting the full workload, it'd be nice. I mean, you have that Temple narrative with Rule and, and you know Robbie and – you know, there could be a reason. I kind of like this game in the look aheads last week, thinking that this could be kind of a sneaky shootout spot, you know, with some crap defenses and some ability to, to move. I like the pace that they've been playing with uh, on Detroit side of late, but yeah, uh, obviously kind of on hold and hard to have any real concrete takes with this one right now. All right, we'll move on. The Steelers are on the road uh, in Jacksonville, 10 point favorites here. I saw some nines, nine and a half earlier as well. Total around 46 and a half, 47. Uh, obviously clearly on paper about as big of a mismatch as you can get right now. Public not scared either. They are backing Pittsburgh uh, very heavily in both bets and handle in the market, which we always really see with, with Pittsburgh as, as a pretty heavy public team. Uh, ben, any leans on this? Yeah, it's another one that's kind of tough. You know, big big road favorite. Um, you know, the both the – I think the total and the spread come down – come down to whether Jacksonville can get anything going offensively. Uh, I would say I'm not particularly optimistic. Um, so I'd probably lean towards Pittsburgh and, and maybe even the under just, you know, thinking it would be a pretty big uh, margin and, and Jacksonville doesn't put up enough points to, 
to help cover the the, the game total. Uh, as far as like fantasy or players, I think we got a little bit of clarity on the receivers this week. Um, well, not not a ton, but a little bit uh, for 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 Pittsburgh. Um, Claypool gave up some snaps and routes to uh, James Washington a little bit. Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster still stayed in pretty much a full full time role. Those three had all been um, playing close to every snap the the past couple of weeks. So we kind of got confirmation that Claypool's maybe a little bit a little bit further down or, or more likely to sub out. But he still dominated in air yards. He led the NFL in air yards, and and one thing we saw from them is even when they were up by a lot in this game uh, th- this past week, they were still throwing downfield late in the third and uh, even a little bit into the early part of the fourth quarter. They won by I think t- like twenty six points, and they still had a massive pass lean. They've been going with a lot of zero running back formations over the last three four weeks where they're going five wide, they're bringing on uh, Ray Ray McLeod as a fourth receiver and, and not not playing Connor or any of the other backs. So I'm not real high on James Connor right now for that reason. Um, and I think that that split of receivers has me right now leaning towards Deontay Johnson as the best combination of targets and air yards because Juju's kind of the underneath guy. Claypool's the downfield guy, but you know not as sure on his target uh, target share. But yeah, this is Pittsburgh. Looks like they're going to be willing to to be a pretty pass heavy offense. So it's certainly a good one for for fantasy right now. Yeah, no, I think that was a great way to break it down. Um, I think that's pretty much uh, the best way to take that uh, the receiving core right now. Really, they're all viable. Um, you know, they're good plays in DFS. They're all somewhat worthwhile in the prop market. You know, in di- in different ways. But um, yeah, I think you summarized that pretty good. Connor, what are your thoughts here? We know that the Steelers are infamous. We feel like we've been teeing this up for weeks. Like they consistently play down to the level of their competition or up to the level of their competition. This kind of feels like one of those spots where um, I want to, I mean, on paper, it's just a, a spot where the Steelers should roll, but we've kind of seen that they play on Thanksgiving. So we got a short week. They play in a rematch against the Ravens. We saw kind of what happened on their third road game in a row against the Cowboys a couple weeks ago, they just did not come out sharp. Um, so are you confident in laying 10 here or what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, no, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not touching the spread. I'm not touching the total. Um, I would lean Jacksonville team total under maybe some Jake Luton unders. I mean, the biggest mismatch here is Pittsburgh number one in adjusted sack rate and pressure rate. Meanwhile, Jacksonville is 30th in adjusted sack rate. Um, so, I mean, Jake Luton under pressure against a pretty strong Pittsburgh secondary. Um, I mean, that that just spells trouble. So, But really, where I'm going to mostly attack this game, um, these are actually the only props that have been posted. I don't really know why DraftKings decided to post props on a Thursday afternoon, but here we are. Um, they posted some pop props for the receiving core. Um, I already took two of them, recommended to our subs. We have Deontay Johnson over 56.5 receiving yards and 5.5 receptions. Uh, the 5.5 receptions at plus 115 DraftKings. Um, I mean, Johnson's played in like six games where he's played like 70% or more of the snaps. He has six receptions or more in all but one of those and more than 57 yards in all but one of those as well. And that was the one game against the Ravens. I mean, now he's facing a Jacksonville team that, like you said, I mean, terrible secondary. And I, th- I think that Ben's note about Pittsburgh passing more is really interesting because – um, the last, so the whole season, they have been playing, uh, f- they've been going 56% pass rate, one, weeks one through eight. Weeks nine and 10, they've had a 71% pass rate. I mean, this is, I know they were playing from behind against Dallas, but even last week in Cincinnati, like they were beating the shit out of Cincinnati, and they still kept passing, they still kept throwing the ball. So 
Yeah, I mean, that that leaves me a little bit more confident with Deontay Johnson's floor and getting like plus money on the receptions felt like a great bet as long as he plays the whole game, which, I mean, you know, cross my fingers and hope he doesn't get injured mid-game. It's not a whole lot you can do about that, but uh, that's probably how I'm attacking this one. Love those. Yeah, those are that's good. I, I like the yardage for sure. We're we're about what twenty five yards clear of that in his projection. At yeah, like seventy point. something, I think. Yeah, um, and you like it in a good case for the receptions too. I mean, I saw that last week. You know, watching that one back, and they were up by well, you know eighteen or something like that, in like the early fourth, late third, and they're still, you know, they're throwing early and often. Um, you know, I think that's when Claypool got his touchdown late. Like, you know, they are not afraid to to lean that way to move the ball, and rightfully so. I mean, we really have not seen a lot to be really optimistic about from James Conner. He's not really like losing any touches to anyone else per se, but he's just not really effective. Um, interested to see if he continues to struggle like that, you know, two good spots in a row. Um, you know, he's handled what uh, last three games, 37 carries for 105 yards, you know, um, not, not very good. And he's kind of getting cucked around the goal line with, uh, you know, with Claypool as well. So that limits that. And another one's not super exciting. It's an awful matchup, but like we've seen how Jacksonville uses James Robinson when Chris Thompson is not involved. He's on the IR. He left early last week. Um, it looks like it's going to be another one of those hundred percent touch spots for Robinson. You know, his pass game floor is just so much higher when Thompson's out of the game. It's not super exciting. I'd be interested to see what his prop numbers are at, but like he's really cheap in DFS um, it's kind of gross, but like they really, I think they're going to struggle to get the ball out. And I think that maybe even raises his pass game floor as well, since they're going to re- want to rely on lower a dot stuff to get it out of Luton's hands even quicker. So I think Robinson is, is pretty sneaky. He just seems like another spot where he's in locked in for, you know, 20, 22 touches minimally. So, um, you know, no one loves clicking that button, but, uh, again, the workload is going to be there. All right, next we have the Patriots on the road against the Texans. Uh, Pat's two-point favorites here on the road. Uh, total has moved up quite a bit this week, 48.5, 49s out there as well. Um, big win for New England on Sunday night against the Ravens. Public on them here in a big way. Uh, the line, though, held, holding steady under three, which is interesting to see. Um, you know, each team should be able to take advantage of a pretty massive statistical matchup. Um, when each team has the ball, Pats are going to be able to run the ball. They are one of the best rushing teams in the league. They lean on it. They want to do it early and often. Second in run offensive DVOA, sixth in success rate. Uh, well, the te- Texans have been gashed in the ground all year, dead last in rush DVOA, giving up the third highest rate of explosive runs on the season. Then you can make a similar case on the other side. The Texans really have been pretty interesting, other than really that Cleveland game um, in the passing game since Bill O'Brien left. Um, you know, they are more efficient. They're taking shots down the field. You're seeing a little bit more, um, you know, rushing equity coming from, from Watson as well. And we know the Pats have struggled all year. We don't know Gilmore's status for this one. So I think they're going to be able to move the ball. The problem is play volume here uh, has me a little concerned with really how the Pats have been playing and the Texans really have not been playing very fast either. Uh, ben, any thoughts on this one? I think, uh, it, I mean, there's a few interesting receiver plays but it's not a, it's not a game that i love i i probably lean more towards the under even though there are some uh, interesting um offensive you know advantages that you noted but jacoby myers is in you know is in another great spot houston is is easy to beat on the ground as you noted but they've also given up plenty of production to opposing wide receivers and myers is very clearly new england's number one 
right now. Uh, Nikhil Harry was back last week. Meyer still got all the targets. Nikhil Harry didn't get a single one. And then I think uh, in the prop market, I'll be really interested to see where Fuller and Cooks come in because of that win game last week. And maybe even Duke Johnson. Uh, the win yeah. game was really bad for Houston's offense as a whole. Not really um, digging into that too much or, or writing uh, writing you know too much against Houston because of that poor game. Um, Cleveland, as we were talking about, couldn't throw the ball either. They just were able to you know run the ball a little bit more effectively. But um, the whole offense for Houston was really poor last week. So there's going to be some opportunities, I think, if if that impacts the the props, a, you know, a, a few a few yards down. Yeah, definitely some recency bias. It's a good point. Be interesting to see how they they pop out because you know Cooks has been the guy that's really started to emerge as a more consistent play as well. Just handling pretty consistent eight nine targets a week. Um, even last week, I mean, they really weren't able to do much with it, but he was still involved pretty heavily. Connor, any uh, early leans on this one? Yeah, I mean, I grabbed some uh, New England minus one and a half. I think that anything under three for them is, you know, a good bet. Uh, Like you said, I mean, a lot has to do with the rushing matchup against Houston. We know that's what they want to do. That's when they function best, in my opinion, at least the way their offense is set up right now. Uh, So I like that a lot. But I also think that, I mean, Duke Johnson props are going to be very interesting. He's handled, uh, I'm pretty sure, every single carry since David Johnson went down. Um, and now he has a matchup against the Patriots run defense, which is uh, 31st in run DVOA. And I mean, their run defense hasn't been great. The only concern is really about overall volume in the game with the Pats probably being able to successfully run the ball on the Houston defense. So, but still, I mean, regardless, maybe it could be a good time to buy an over on a Duke Johnson receiving prop as well. Like I think he, he saw one target last week and I don't even think he caught it. Um, so maybe we catch a low number there, but I know that Watson is generally not a, a check down quarterback, but still, I mean, usually between Duke and David Johnson, they were catching, you know, three to four or five balls a game combined uh, in pretty much every other game outside of the wind game. So uh, I think if you can catch that at like a three over under three or two and a half, that'd be a good bet as well. But uh, yeah, give me the Pats and probably some Duke Johnson props, maybe Damian Harris. Too. I mean, we have him projected for 77 yards. Um, I have a feeling though, his, his prop is probably going to come around on, in like at like 75, something like that. I like that too. I mean, he's not someone you want to play necessarily in DFS because there's, you know, he's a complete air ball in the passing game. Yeah. He's got to break a 20 yard run to to even find the box too, because I think only Zeke has more carries inside the five than cam does. So like he has no shot really of, of getting that, uh, that goal line work. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's such a good spot They want to run, and it's just they're going to be able to do so. So I grabbed New England as well at two. I lean the under, but like we talked about last week with Evan, we talk about all the time, just, you know, in text and stuff, unders are just, <laughs> they're so hard. It's not, not fun to watch and root for. There's so many outs. Uh, yeah, it just is, you know, I think it makes more sense in the prop market taking unders, but game total unders right now are just, it's really hard for me to, even when I have a lean there, uh, I typically don't fire at it. But uh, right. how about Duke Johnson? Like total yardage prop. Um, you know, 81 and a half pulling a number out of my butt. Um, is that kind of in the range that you're thinking of where you, you know, would you lean over or under on that number? I think I might go under that. <laughs> That's kind of a high number, but um, yeah, I, I think I would stay away from it is the way I would put it. I, I, I don't yeah. think it would be that high. Okay. We'll see though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, point recency bias is probably playing in there. Our, our combined, just looking at it now, 76 
is our combined projection is it um, yards for him. Yep. I mean, yeah, actually, so like the rushing yards last week came in kind of high. It was like an over under 60 or something like that for like some of the books, which I thought was, I mean, kind of surprising. So I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm underrating the book's uh, knowledge of, of the prop market, but I mean, they always nah. post some weird ones. <laughs> yeah. All right. That'll be uh, that'll be one to watch for sure. All right. Uh, next, we have the Eagles on the way uh, to Cleveland to face the Browns. Uh, Browns three-point favorites at home. 47 is the total. This is back-to-back road games for Philly. Um, to Ben's point, like we were talking about with the Texans, the Browns are really difficult to gauge right now. They've played in multiple monsoons over the past few weeks. It's just kind of really difficult to get a real feel for usage and things like that. Eagles, not very difficult to gauge. They have been a massive disappointment. Basically, last week had nearly all of their playmakers back, and Carson Wentz just continues to disappoint. Five straight weeks, completing fewer than 60% of his passes. Uh, public isn't really taking much of a stand here yet. Looks like the handle uh, split pretty evenly. Uh, Brown's seeing a slight lean in bets, but uh, we care more about the money here. Uh, ben, what are your thoughts here? Well, yeah, no, I mean, you made a great point about uh, about Cleveland. I, I think one of the things that we know about Cleveland at this point is that they're probably going to be able to run the ball, even in, in tougher matchups. Philly has a decent enough rush defense, but um, the, the big thing I took away from that Cleveland-Houston game is probably, you know, both defenses are playing up a little bit. They're not as worried about the downfield passing game because of the wind. That really impacted Houston's ability to be efficient in even in the shorter area of the field because Cleveland's defense could press up. Cleveland still managed to have 200-yard rushers against Houston. Now, Houston's yeah. run these bad, but um, they didn't have much concern that Mayfield's going to beat them over the top, and they still couldn't stop the run game. I think that speaks well to what Cleveland does in the run game, and I think we've seen that a lot. Uh, and, and so I think they're going to try to run it pretty much in, in every situation they can. They're at home here. We know Philly has struggled offensively. Um, so from a team or from a game perspective, I think I lean towards towards Cleveland, just having the ball enough and maintaining drives through being able to run the ball a little bit uh, and hopefully, you know, hopefully get some passing yardage as well. They, they've had those win games. Landry is a guy that I think is really interesting right now. I want to I see his props. Uh, he shouldn't get Darius Slay in the slot. Uh, I'm expecting him to be a lot more involved than he was during the Odell Beckham portion of the season in the three games since. Um, since Beckham tore his ACL, we've seen two win games. So, you know, it, it, there hasn't been a lot of passing in any of those games. Landry's uh, target share has been solid, though. So I, I'm kind of thinking he's going to get back to his high target ways once they have a normal passing environment. This is a good spot for him in the slot. And then on on the Eagle side, I'm, I'm going to be going back to Dallas Goddard and in DFS, and uh, think he's going to be a top five tight end until Ertz is back. He he wasn't great last week, but played a ton, and I think he's somebody that's got his arrow pointing up right now. Yeah, it's a good call. I'm um, interested to see what happens with with Landry. Um, I, I'm guessing that our projections are going to be higher than his prop number two. I'm guessing he probably comes somewhere in the 50s. I think we got him at 62 yards here about five balls too. So yeah, I think that's a pretty good call, especially, you know, avoiding Slay if, uh, you know, if that's your thing, if you wait, Darius Slay is an elite guy that's worth worth noting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, Nick Chubb was back last weekend and that was awesome. But I think kind of under the radar is the Wyatt Teller coming back did, did not hurt. That's why we saw, you know, a good game from Kareem Hunt as well. So it, like you said, it's what they want to do. Philly's decent, in, uh, you know, it's stopping the run. Though what they have, they're the only team in the league that's allowed more rushing touchdowns than passing touchdowns. We know TDs are 
pretty high variant. That's why we don't really advocate for, you know, betting touchdown props per se. But, you know, teams at least can move the ball at times, especially a team like Cleveland who, you know, has really good design runs and, you know, a smart coaching staff that knows what they're doing. So um, I'm with Eileen Cleveland here as well. Haven't bet that yet, but I think probably by the the end of tomorrow we'll probably get something down there. Uh, Connor, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, I think you guys said most of my points here, but with this Philly run defense, I do think that it is worth noting. Like, they're kind of in that middle. I talk about this pretty much every week where – I'm just not really sure it matters too much. You know, like defense does matter at the extremes, in my opinion, and what we talk about. But they're kind of in that range where, like, they're 13th in run DDVOA, 9th in rushing success rate. Like, um, I don't, I just don't think that that really, like, makes too much of a difference when you're facing an elite rushing team like the Browns. Like, I, I just don't think that that's good enough run defense. So uh, kind of to Ben and, and your point, Noonan, like, I think this this running offense is going to have plenty of success. Eileen Cleveland here. Uh, I'm interested in Landry props as well as Hooper props. I think I'm just really interested to see what books do in a spot here where Cleveland has basically had no passing volume the past two weeks and kind of like what um, what they list everything at. Like I think that there's going to be some really low reception props on both those guys, um, and that'll probably be how I attack this game the most here. Um, but otherwise, also for on the Philly side, like uh, Travis Fulgham, it looks like took the biggest hit with uh, Rager's emergence yeah. and uh, Jeffrey back. So, um, and, and it looks like Greg Ward is still playing a bunch in the slot. So it's not like his role really changed too much. He was still seeing a bunch of targets. Um, so I don't know. I think Fulgham is a guy to kind of watch going forward. I don't know if uh, Ben, you have any you know notes on that specifically, but that that was kind of what I you know noticed. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm right with what you said. I, I think people also talked about James Bradbury last week against the Giants, but. Fulgham had a much stronger target rate the last time they played the Giants when Rager wasn't in there. Um, so for sure, whether it was the you know it was just a couple games ago, and and whether it was uh, you know Bradbury or or Rager or what ha- like you know it certainly wasn't a positive sign to see Fulgham only get those five targets. I think um, I think Rager is is or I mean in my opinion, like I think he's more talented than Fulgham. For sure, high on Regum as a uh, Rager as a rookie. So, in my opinion, he's kind of the, the number one for for fantasy for me going forward. People obviously got a lot of good production out of Fulgham to this point, but you have to recognize when things change and suddenly the the range of outcomes going forward doesn't match what it's been in the past. And Fulgham's definitely that guy right now. Yeah, that's a good point, man. I think that's tough to do. You need to really navigate like the, you know, is that short sample, you know, theater? Is it just really one game? Or is this really kind of indicative of what we were expecting coming in? And then they kind of show us that the first time they get the opportunity to do so. And I think that's kind of the case here is that, you know, it's could be a blimp on the radar where Fulgham still has some useful weeks, but I really do feel like he's going to, you know, give up a little bit to, to Rager here and he'll kind of be the alpha in this offense moving forward. If they can, you know, get their shit together and start to, you know, sustain drives. And I think having Miles Sanders back helps a lot too. It's another guy that I'll take a look at his total yardage props. Um, you know, he pretty much dominated work last week coming back. He just bad luck with touchdowns with, you know, Boston Scott breaking off, you know, a long carry. Corey Clement scored in his only offensive snap of the day. But, uh, you know, Sanders, again, just, you know, 15 carries and, you know, two or three, you know, targets in the passing game at least. So he's probably right around 95 to 100 yards in the total yardage prop market and that's it's probably worthwhile against cleveland who similar to what connor's saying just like the eagles middle of the pack so you know sanders is a guy i want to continue to to buy on here in the, the second half 
All right, next we have the Falcons on the road in the division against the Saints. Saints five-point favorites here at home. A pretty healthy total at 50. It was up to 51.5 earlier in the week. Uh, thought it might go the other way. Looks like, obviously, Drew Brees being out after multiple rib fractures and a collapsed lung. Sean Payton is still refusing to name a starter. We all know it's going to be Jameis' season. Uh, we know Taysom Hill is going to be involved and continue to frustrate everyone in and around the goal line. Um, though highly unlikely that he's stealing actual dropbacks from Winston here. Public is not trusting Jameis-led Saints team right now. Um, Atlanta getting 55% of the bets and 67% of the money in the marketplace so far. Connor, uh, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, personally, I kind of lean towards the over. Uh, I know we talked about this early in the week. Um, at it took 51 yeah, unfortunately, yeah. it looks like the, the number is worse now. But still, uh, I mean, James Winston is just a very uh, volatile player. He is He's good, probably going to start, I would say. I think that you had a good beat. Like, he's probably going to play most of the game. Maybe a little bit less than Breeze normally played, but I think that he does the, the majority of the work. So we're, we're seeing him play against an Atlanta pass defense. It's 28th in pass DVOA. Um, and so, I don't know, James Winston has always been that kind of player that's either, you know, bomb the ball or – uh, throwing picks. My only concern really with that over is that they try and rein him in and just like do a lot of quick passes and really kind of try and keep him under wraps and limit the mistakes, which is certainly possible um, given Jameis Winston's nature. And, you know, I'm sure what everyone on their coaching staff saw. Um, but I think it also is, you know, encouraging that this Atlanta offense has been functioning fairly well for the most part. Um, I'm not sure um, with the status of Calvin Ridley, is he, um, well, I'm not sure where he's at, but he would be obviously a big boost to the over. Limited, it looks like, on Thursday's practice. Um, so My guess I, is he's out. If yeah. I think, you know lean right now, I think we don't see him. I mean, that's tough. I, I still lean towards the over. It's just not as strong as it was initially in the week where um, it seemed like Ridley was going to play, or at least that's kind of what I thought. So, yeah, I lean over, but otherwise it's not as strong as it once was really. Uh, ben, I want your thoughts here on the Jameis impact as far as Kamara and Michael Thomas. We know, you know, Breeze at this stage of his career is just kind of a low ADOT guy and it suits the skill set of, of his best two playmakers very well. Uh, we know that Jameis is a little bit more degaff, a little bit more pushing the ball down the field. Um, you know, along with your thoughts for this game, how do you think this impacts Kamara and Michael Thomas. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest storylines of this week, frankly, because Breeze, I've made fun of him as much as anyone for not having the arm strength this year, but he's still um, he's still at least able to, you know, to read defenses, throw away from leverage, put balls in good spots, and be accurate enough in the short area of the field. And that's what has been so great for Alvin Kamara so far this year. Uh, would have hopefully been great for Michael Thomas, obviously was last year. Teddy Bridgewater was a pretty good replacement for that. He's a pretty accurate yeah. guy and likes to take those underneath throws last year. I, Jameis is is, a, is not at all a natural replacement for that, uh, to your guys' point. So it's a really hard one to to kind of figure out, as Connor was saying. I, I started to lean under a little, thinking maybe they'd use T, uh, Taysom Hill too much or we might get you know bad Jameis at some point, probably a couple boneheaded plays at some point since he hasn't played for quite a while now, but – um, we also don't know, you know, the, the whole Jameis LASIK narrative. Like, we don't know if he can do now. Like, <laughs> who knows what we're going to get? This is not a game that I have a, a strong take on. Um, New Orleans has a pretty solid defense, but, you know, I would expect normally New Orleans versus Atlanta was gonna, would, would be a shootout back and forth. And uh, I was very high on Michael Thomas, just made a trade for him a couple of weeks ago, been excited for him to get back to his, you know, 10-catch-per-game type 
type production, but we haven't seen that yet. And I don't know if we will. I mean, this is a, a, a huge storyline and one that I'm probably just going to avoid and, and enjoy because, you know, James is, is nothing if not enjoyable. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what ownership looks like in DFS uh, with him, obviously, you know, buzzy earlier in the week, but you know, most, both sites kind of priced him up a little bit, which is interesting. And then there's the Taysom Hill tight end eligibility over on FanDuel, which is just completely egregious and hard to avoid. And uh, it's going to be uh be an interesting week in, in DFS for sure. But if Ridley is out, I think we saw before the bye, we saw, you know, Olamide Zacchaeus kind of emerged as that second guy behind Julio. Uh, I imagine it's going to be a massive Julio game. So his props are going to be worthwhile. Um, I don't believe that, you know, Marcus Lattimore is a guy that I would worry about in coverage from, you know, as far as like a defensive backs that matter standpoint. Just haven't seen that really for the last couple of years with him. And, uh, you know, Zacchaeus kind of emerged. We thought it might have been Christian Blake, um, but, uh, you know, he ran the second most routes last game with really out. He could be worth a look, probably boost Hayden Hurst as well. Really tough spot for Gurley. You mentioned, Ben, that the Saints are pretty stout against the run. I mean, Gurley's been so touchdown dependent anyway. You know, the Saints lead the league in stuff rate, um, you know, run DDVOA, defensive line adjusted yards, and our four for fours schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the running back position. So really tough spot for Gurley. who's also hemorrhaging touches and snaps here and there to, to Brian Hill. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I want to buy out of 51. I, I definitely liked it earlier in the week a little bit more, but uh, I wouldn't chase it at this point. I think there are too many outs that we've kind of outlined here. So it looks like prior to the show, it actually moved up to 51 and 52 in some spots. Oh, well, hell yeah. Best of so, the number. Yeah, look at us. Yeah, closing my value right there. We're, we're on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, but I can see it being a game where, uh, like you both kind of said, where the Saints maybe lean a little bit more run heavy than we want them to. And, you know, that kind of deflates them all and, and ruins things. And we've seen it uh, with the with the uh, Falcons early this season. Like when one of the two, Ridley and Julio, are, are out, they just lose a different dynamic offensively, knowing mm-hmm. that they can't run the ball either, just kind of really hurts them a little bit. So, you know, their team total under – you know, if I was going to approach this game and, and try to get in on it, um, you know, under 22 and a half, under 23 might be a, a play on the Falcon side. All right, next we have Bengals on the road against Washington. Washington, short home favorites here, about one and a half in most spots, 46. We're finding is the total in most spots. Um, since he's on the road here, second week in a row. Connor, this is like a weird degenerate Super Bowl for us. These are two clubs that we both <laughs> like way more than we should for whatever reason. Uh, just they're playing fast, inefficient football. And uh, public is split so far here as well. They really don't know what to do with it. Slight lean in bets going the Bengals' way. Um, it's been a couple of years since the Bengals have won on the road, though they are probably as live as ever here this week, depending on what your thoughts are on Washington, who you know made a – Really hell of a comeback last week against the Lions and did their best. Could not close the deal there. Ben, what are your thoughts on this game? Oh, I, I love the over in this one for the reasons you said. Just, you know, teams that are willing to play fast. I think the Bengals are kind of our, you know, our discount Seahawks. They don't yeah. play very good pass That's defense. Good. They're willing to play fast and throw a bunch. Um, I like Joe Burrow and, you know, in season long the rest of the way to to hopefully be a top 10 quarterback, I think, um, you know, do, do a little bit of what we've seen out of Justin Herbert. Hopefully he doesn't have, you know, maybe quite as much arm strength to be chucking it all the way downfield, but um, certainly has the weapons. I, th- I have a couple interesting takes on some pass catchers in this game. So Higgins and Boyd, 
I think we should be boosting them right now because AJ Green uh, is still running so many routes and is still so bad. You basically have this this situation where they have to be the the producers. They're, the targets to Green are going to be incomplete, or they're not going to go for many yards. And so it leaves a lot of passing situations for Higgins and Boyd. I think that's why we've seen them be so consistently good is this third receiver that's running routes a ton isn't very good. So uh, it's, it's a good note for them. Higgins is, is apparently sick, so we'll have to we'll keep an eye on him. And, and Washington's pretty good against receivers. So, you know, I'll be interested in those props. But I like them both going forward. Uh, and then the, the J.D. McKissick catches, obviously, you know, Jeez. By those, right? Because Alex Smith loves to throw to his running backs. But I think the the initial thought is that's bad for Antonio Gibson. I look at it differently. I look at it from like a, a team perspective. It's probably good for Antonio Gibson. It means, number one, that the quarterback that's in there, and I think the quarterback dictates a lot of running back um, target rates. The quarterback that's in there is going to throw to running backs. We know that about Alex Smith. That's nothing, uh, you know, mind-blowing. But – uh, it also means that, you know, if, if McKissick gets banged up ever in game or, or what have you, Gibson has the potential for, you know, eight to 10 catches in, in, in a situation where he'd be probably running more routes. I think his, we saw him catch four passes last week when McKissick still got 15 targets. I think his potential to catch four to six balls is higher now, even with McKissick seeing all these extra targets, uh, which seems counter counterintuitive. Uh, and then he also has this additional ceiling if, you know, whether it be injury for McKissick or just uh, an adjustment, he starts to run more routes. I mean, suddenly Gibson would be just a, a monster. We all want that, but we haven't seen it yet. No, that's a that's a great point, Ben. I mean, sustained drives, like, we, you know, you can't get red zone carries for Gibson unless they get to the red zone. And right now they need McKissick to, like, to move the chains. You really don't have anything outside of, you know, Terry McLaurin, who is just such an alpha you know, they're getting maybe a little bit out of Logan Thomas, who just we've been kind of wanting to have happen all year, just out there running a crap ton of routes, two straight games with six targets for Thomas. But, yeah, I mean, we need something else there, some sort of secondary pass catcher to really keep them uh, to moving the chain so that we aren't having inefficient offenses that just play fast. And maybe we can have some high-scoring offenses that play fast with bad defenses as well. So that's a good point on uh, the pass catchers for the Bengals as well. I really like the matchup for Higgins. I mean, Boyd's floor is so high. I uh, don't want to get into, you know, cornerbacks stuff too much, but, you know, Boyd is you – know, Washington's done a good job against the slot this year. Boyd's kind of one of those guys that supersedes that most weeks, but, you know, the relationship with Higgins and Burrow is one that you know, I want to continue to buy on, to your point, that kind of pairs well with being bullish on – Burrow moving forward, I think Higgins is kind of the guy that I want to, you know, continue to, to buy in as well. Connor, any thoughts on this one? No, I mean, I think you guys covered a lot of it. My Some of my bigger points would be uh, maybe hitting Geo carries again with no mix-in uh, if he's out. Uh, I mean, last week, basically, they just got game scripted out. They got destroyed. Uh, and then, I mean, they still ended up running the ball a decent amount. It just was after in garbage time uh, with with – uh, uh, Geo out of the game, but now if, if Mixon misses, which it looks like he is, I, I still is not even like practicing really, so I don't think he's going to play. Um, last week the carries was at nine and a half, he hit the under, but I think this week we're going to see you know probably like ten and a half, eleven and a half. I'll hit the over there for sure. Um, Gibson, I think maybe could see a little bit more positive game script as well. I just think that this game is going to be a little bit closer overall, um, and so I, with Washington negative game script last week, even though like I mean Gibson had thirteen. Carries. Um, now he's matching up against a bad since he run defense. 
So I, I like that. I think that's interesting. And then, like you said, the Higgins props for sure. His matchup is a lot easier uh, on the outside against Washington. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's for the most part. Otherwise, I mean, how can you not like the Cincinnati team? I mean, Joe Burrow is the damn truth. Like, you know, he's awesome. And then Tyler Boyd is, uh, you know, the second coming of Jarvis Landry. So I don't, I don't know what to, what to say about it. <laughs> They're awesome players. Oh, yeah. Uh, move on with that one. Uh, Miami's on the road against Denver. Uh, Miami road favorites, three and a half points on the road against the Broncos. 45 is the total here. Uh, you know, we all questioned kind of the move at the time, although it makes sense going to, to Tua, but Dolphins 3-0 straight up, 3-0 against the spread since Tua took over. This one opened at two and a half, and then Miami has been steamed up, um, even some fours in some spots earlier in the day. Nearly 95% of the handle come, coming in on the road team here. Uh, ben, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I don't really love it. I would lean under. I would lean towards Miami. Miami's been pretty good lately, playing good defense, seem to be comfortable playing a little bit slower with Tua uh, under center. But I also, like, I you know, Traveling to Denver can be a little bit tricky. I think traveling from Miami to Denver might be – I mean, I don't know. I'm not a weatherman, but the altitude and all that, like I, I don't w- want to take them on the road in Denver. Um, so it's a it's kind of a tough game. And I, I'm not really in love with anything Miami right now. Their, their um, running back target rate has plummeted. I just talked about how that's really related to the quarterback. Um, was very high under Fitzpatrick, is now extremely low under Tua – so even though, you know, Savon Ahmed is, has been, you know, pretty decent the last couple of weeks, he's not somebody that I expect to catch the types of passes that Gaskin was catching, which makes him a little bit less interesting for, you know, really any fantasy setup. I, I certainly think if you picked him up and you need to start at running back, go for it. But um, not not really a great spot for him. I think uh, the the Miami pass catchers are, you know, D- Devontae Parker disappointed last week. I thought he would have a big, a big week. He had a, a near touchdown on a one-handed catch but couldn't get two feet down. But just generally, they're they're trending down, just like the running back target. Right, the the, the pass attempts overall are trending down uh, with Tua under center and in in some leads. They're just willing to to really take the air out of the ball. So not real excited about them. And then I, you know, we have Drew Lock kind of banged up, right? So I'm I already don't like the the Broncos offense that much. I mean, there's certainly reason to be stoked about Jerry Judy. Um, and there's some potential for for Denver to be able to run the ball well if they do control this game, but. Not not a game I like very much. No, this one's tough. I mean, yeah, it's tough to lay, lay points like that for Miami on the road here in altitude, like you mentioned. Like it's a real thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Drew Locke. I mean, they think about how bad the Jets' offense is, how bad the Bears' offense is. The Broncos are thirty second in offensive DVOA right now, thirtieth in yards per drive, thirty thirtieth in points per drive, like. They just they're desperate for even league average quarterback play. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, when you think of like Judy, Patrick, Fant, like they have Hamler, like they have playmakers, but like it's just not happening. It's just without the garbage time stuff we've seen the last couple of weeks from Locke, it, it, like I can't even imagine where they'd be. Like it's just been it's been atrocious. But like I can't lay the points with Miami either. So and you laid out a good point with Ahmed too, like not a lot of uh interest in him in the prop markets and yeah, play volume is just down here. So uh, Connor, any thoughts on your Broncos? Yeah, my Broncos. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> uh, my Broncos. Awesome. Such a uh, dick. Miami's. I mean, Miami's run defense is not very good metric wise. Like twenty ninth run DVOA. 
Um, yeah, but, but neither was the Raiders last week, and I thought yeah, Lindsay was a you know even getting some Lindsay point. Gordon. Yeah, does it really matter? No, um, because that who who knows what these guys are going to do? Like it looked like Lindsay was going to take you know a little at least a little bit more control, and he got like three carries, four carries. Yeah. Like they just threw that right out the window, and you know rolled out Dusty Melvin Gordon, you know into the the Raiders defense. He actually did all right, but I don't know maybe Jakeem Grant or Devontae Parker props depending on what they're at. Uh, but they okay, so Tua in three games, 25, 22, and 28 attempts this season. So, uh, I mean, I thought that was kind of interesting. Maybe that's just based on how the games have went. Maybe it's because they're trying to limit attempts. I don't know. Uh, I think it's kind of too early to tell. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of off this one entirely. All right, next we have the Jets on the road against the Chargers. Uh, Chargers, nine and a half, 10 point favorites there out in the marketplace, around 47 for the total. Uh, when a two and eight team like the Chargers are favored by, 10 points, uh, you know the Jets have to be involved. Um, though I will say Joe Flacco looked pretty good against New England uh, before the bye. I mean, he was slinging it around. He'll be back under center here against the Chargers. And, uh, you know, the haircuts heard around the world with uh, poor Justin Herbert. Um, and then we also have Kalen Balazs with his second revenge game week in a row, who is suddenly a real thing. I can't even believe that this is where we're at. But, like, you know, Anthony Lynn comes out and says we need to get Balazs some, a longer look. Uh, he played 46 snaps last week, just 17 for Joshua Kelly. Jermaine Pope was active, didn't do anything, you know, and, and over 100 yards for Balazs, which is wild. In a passing game role, uh, caught five of six targets as well. So this is kind of the most 2020 setup for a game ever. But uh, Ben, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, Balazs is definitely really interesting. Again, get back to the, the team sort of passing rate the quarterback passing rate I like to talk about high value touches which is receptions and, and touches inside the 10 yard line um the Chargers have been great at that all year and it doesn't it hasn't really mattered who's played when, when Pope got a little bit of playing time he had four or five in in the the one game that he you know saw a, a peak in playing time Jackson and Kelly have had their their moments obviously when Eckler was in there you're getting a lot of passing to the backs those are high high value touches for fantasy scoring and Balazs is getting him now he's getting the touches in the scoring range. Joshua Kelly has, has gotten some too, but Balazs has, has had a couple of touchdowns, I think, in, in the last couple of weeks, or at least one. And then he's getting those receptions as well. So he's he's in a great spot. Guy's actually athletic. He ran a you know a good um, a good four four six at two hundred twenty eight pounds. Strong, really strong speed score, ninety six percentile speed score. And you know, in his defense, he played with uh, played under Adam Gase in yeah. two different places in Miami first, and then in New York. So. Maybe Kalen Balaj is good. <laughs> like, <laughs> we can never unsee him ducking from that pass, though. Like, yeah, was... he's not. He, he can catch now somehow. It's it's bizarre. But um, the other the other part of this game that I really like is the the Chargers passing game. I mean, I just want to smash Justin Herbert overs. Um, they're willing to throw to get ahead. Certainly, uh, I, I like the Chargers to cover, even though they're two and eight or whatever. I think they're they're gonna get out ahead of of the Jets here. Um, who are, again, another long travel team this week. Uh, love the Keenan overs as well. Keenan is the guy that we know Herbert likes the most. He's going to get him the ball when he can, and this is a situation where the Jets can't cover anyone. They're, they're, he's going to be able to throw to Keenan every time. I'm expecting like 15 targets as long as this isn't like a you know a, a return touchdown or defensive touchdown type 21-point lead in the first half. Um, as long as they have to, you know, to score, to offensively score to build their lead, I'm expecting a lot of targets for Keenan Allen. So I like his overs as well. Yeah. And I think they just put their slot corner on IR or something like that. He's definitely out this week. So 
not that they would matter, but uh, even more so on Keenan for sure. He's just he's such a beast. Uh, he just got hurt last week, I think, in kind of the lower play volume that Miami brought along, and that kind of hurt his uh, his output. But he still found the end zone. But uh, Connor, thoughts on uh, this spot? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the the two props I liked. Really, it would be Keenan Allen, uh, maybe some Justin Herbert, like fantasy points over. Um, all right, so I know this is going to sound a little bit crazy here, but I was walking through it. Um, I kind of like the over in this game. Uh, it's sitting at 46 points here. Like you said, Noonan, I mean, the Jets actually looked good uh, last week against the Patriots. Maybe it was because the Patriots' defense is so bad. But, I mean, Joe Flacco looked, you know, he looked fine compared to how he has in the past in the Jets, you know, with how they've been playing. But now they have Makai back in. It's going to play. They get Jameson Crowder back. Den- Denzel Mims is good to go. Rashad Perriman's still playing all right. Like, they are now playing against a team, Chargers defense, that's allowed 29 or more points in each of their last six games. Um, so, I mean, I don't need them to score, you know, like 30 points they need to score like probably 20 points to get there. Like, I think the chargers on the other hand, probably can score 30 or more like fairly easily against this jets team. As long as they don't run, you know, uh, Kalen Balazs 25 times, but, um, I mean, might. I, I don't want to throw too much shade on, on Kalen Balazs, but you know, he, he's fine, but you know, it might not, just not be the most optimal way to move the offense all the time. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like the over here. I think that 46 is a good number to get it at. Uh, I'd probably take it up to like 47, 48 even because I think the Chargers can score 30-plus and the Jets can hang, I mean, 20 to 24 on the Chargers. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a case there. I mean, there's obviously some chemistry with, with Perriman and, and Flacco. I mean, you know, Flacco is definitely more of a downfield guy than than what we've seen, you know, Crowder's workload be. But, um, yeah, I mean, if they're getting healthy, they – they aren't awful. I mean, having, you know, Mims, Crowder, and and Perriman is at least better than what they were doing for a couple of weeks there where we were having, you know, created players running, you know, 95% of the routes. So I, I, I know I know they also I, I think it was they also started like putting guys in motion at like one of the higher rates in the league compared to you know Imagine before that. before yeah, because they had Dowell Loggins, you know, calling plays and you know, like helping out a little bit more there and then compared to Gase where they were like the lowest rate in the league. So I mean just I mean, this Jets offense is on the come up. You know, if they drop twenty four points this week, we got to you got to look back on this and give me give me a little pat on the back here. All right. So they take the tackle from Oregon uh, from Oregon with the first pick because they don't need a, a quarterback in the draft. They're up. They're up and coming. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean they got Joe Flacco. Why would they need Trevor Lawrence? I mean, that's good like point. You know, easy easy money, easy game. All right, so this next one's going to be a good game. Packers on the road against the Colts. Uh, Colts one and a half point favorites at home. Total around 51, 51 and a half. Um, markets uh, it makes sense to me so far. I mean, Packers are a little bit of a public team, so they have a slight edge in total bets. Although the Colts are seeing a larger slice of the handle as a short home favorites uh, total open to 49 quickly shot up to where it is now in the low fifties, depending on your book um, worth noting that Packers games are averaging the lowest combined snaps in the league. And we know the Colts want to run the ball if things go their way too. And interesting here, we, you know, Devonte Adams practiced on Wednesday and then I don't think practice today didn't come out with the team. It sounds like he's going to be good to go with the ankle injury. I mean, he got hurt mid-game last week and then still balled out in the second half, like, you know, dunking over dudes to catch touchdown passes and stuff that he does. So, obviously, you know, his if we start to get something tomorrow where it looks like he's not going to be a go, that obviously changes the dynamic of this one. But I imagine he's good to go. Ben, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, if he's out, I, it it would be a, a pretty big bump for Aaron Jones for me. Even though you know Indy is good stopping the run, 
every time we've seen Devontae Adams be out this year, last year, whenever Aaron Jones has has pretty much smashed. Um, this Green Bay offense seems to just flow through the guys that Aaron Rodgers trusts. Uh, so if Adams is in, yeah, you're going to get a ton of Adams targets. Um, if he's out, it's probably Jones. I, I think it's interesting to look at Robert Tanyan, but it's not really a great tight end matchup either because, again, Indy's got some, some playmakers on D, um, some athleticism at linebacker. I'm not – Really buying the the Marquez Valdez Scantling booms the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's he's always been an air yards guy. He's hit on some of those air yards. He had a long touchdown last week, um, and I think it was two scores the week before against San Francisco. But the targets haven't been like massive or anything. He's also had some really consistent play earlier this season. Um, so like, he's he's very boom or bust. And if Adams is out, you know, he might be an under on the in the prop market for me. Um, the Colts are a really hard team to trust. They're kind of the inverse where yeah, uh, on Green Bay, they're going to they're gonna funnel through their main guys. The Colts, it's really hard to trust anything. You don't know what's going to happen. If I was pressed, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd tell you Michael Pittman's probably their best receiver right now, their best pass catcher, their most reliable option right now since he came back. Um, and I would say that Hines is, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to probably use him a little bit more this week than – um, and then typical, obviously they did last week. They used him in single back formations. They were running him like a power runner and he was doing all right. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens there. I think still though, they will, they will need to get Jonathan Taylor going. I think they want to get Jonathan Taylor going. This is a team that looks like they're headed for the playoffs. He is their big physical uh, back. Yes. He's not been very good, but I, I do, you know, I, I've written in my stealing signals call in the last couple of weeks. I think this is probably the low point in, in his rookie season. I do think he's going to be good at some point this year, not just, oh, it could be in 2021. I think we'll see some good games out of him. I don't know if this is the week, but Green Bay is a is a rush defense. It's easy to attack. But, you know, coming off a, a big uh, Heinz hot hand game, probably not the right time to be on Taylor, but watch for it. I, I think it's coming. I do. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, uh, he's – Definitely the most talented guy there, and you know it's just tough with them. Like they're tough in in, in fantasy, they're tough in the prop market because you'll have most weeks ten to twelve guys touching the ball. It's just really hard to kind of focus down. Pittman is the alpha. It's just a matter of does he get used that way? Connor, what are your thoughts here? Um, no, I, I was gonna you know tee you up for some Michael Pittman love there, but I think you I guys, dialed it back. <laughs> I know, I know, you're a big Michael Pittman guy. Uh, I kind of like the Packers outright here as long as Devontae Adams plays. Um, I know we talked about this before, but I think the Colts are a little bit overrated based on their schedule. I mean, the only real win they have, I think, is against the Titans, which is on a Thursday night game. Uh, I think that that blocked punt touchdown. But otherwise, I mean, the game is pretty even. But they lost pretty badly to the Ravens. Uh, they also lost to the Browns. Otherwise, their wins have come against, like, the Lions, Bengals, Bears, Jets. Like, it's been against, like, pretty much bottom five teams here. So I don't mind the Packers outright here. Um, I think that they're just – generally a better overall team. And if their offense is clicking, like I think that they can very easily win. So that's, you know, probably my favorite, you know, upset of the week, even though it's not even too big of an upset. Yeah. This will be a good one to watch. I don't have any leans on sides or totals per se, but uh, yeah, I will play the hits though. If you were new to the, you know, listening here, I've been banging the Michael Pittman drum since April. Um, The Colts did not have a first round pick. They had an early second round pick and they took Michael Pittman. They then traded up to take Jonathan Taylor. So they made an executive decision in-house that we cannot let Michael Pittman slip past this spot. We have to lock him up. And then they decided that they wanted to trade up for Jonathan Taylor. So um, it's no surprise. He just, you know, this 
rookie wide receiver class is awesome. Pittman got lost a little bit in the shuffle because, you know, they just they spread it around a little bit more, then he gets hurt. But uh, don't be surprised. This is not a blimp on the radar. This kid is a absolute baller. And if they start to lean on him a little bit more moving forward, um, he's going to be a, a playmaker and someone you're going to want early and often, um, you know, moving forward. So he is the man. All right, next we have Dallas on the road against the Vikings. Vikings, uh, seven and a half point favorites here. Most spots now, total around 48. Dallas off a of bye. Andy Dalton coming back, um, traveling to Minnesota on a short week for the Vikings, uh, held off the Bears on Monday Night Football. This was nine and a half in the look-ahead market, uh, now down closer to a touchdown, which makes more sense. I mean, Dallas is always the public team, so they're dominating the action here in the market, which makes sense. Uh, totals dip, though, quite a bit, too. Um, the worth noting, every Vikings home game so far this season has gone over the total. Uh, I liked it a little bit more when it was closer to 10, though if you're going to give me the hook, um, am I crazy to like the Cowboys here, Ben, getting more than a touchdown on the road? No, I don't think you're crazy. I think that's uh, a really good stat that every Vikings home game has gone over. I, I did not realize that. Uh, I would have told you that I leaned under here. Um, this does feel like a game that Minnesota controls and runs. Uh, I think right now I'm on Team Jefferson over Thielen at this point, um, which maybe isn't that hot of a take, but maybe is. Um, but how much are they going to pass in this game? I don't know. But Dallas, I think, can hang enough to probably backdoor cover. So I don't I don't think it's that crazy. Uh, I, yeah, again, I, I was kind of leaning under. So I, I wouldn't expect it to be this massive spread. But yeah. um, that's an interesting stat that you, that you threw out there about them always going over. One, one. I mean, we know the Vikings are, are bad against receivers, and one guy I want to talk about is Michael Gallup. Um, Twelve targets and seven targets in his last two games. You know, Dallas's offense has been really bad lately, but part of that is since um, since Dak went down, they've gone to a, a little bit more, and, and some of their offensive line injuries, they've gone to more two tight end sets to protect the quarterback more, and that's cut into CeeDee Lamb snaps. Now, I still like Lamb because he has a really strong targets per route run, which is a, a strong predictive metric we like to look at. Um, he so when he's out there running routes, he's he's seeing a lot of targets, but I also think it's a boost for Gallup because he's not competing with Lamb and Cooper on every route anymore. And, you know, Lamb for a while was running close to every single route. Um, he's now running, you know, more in like the sixty percent range. So you have Gallup out there running as as this full time starter in a lot of scenarios where they're using an extra tight end, and he has seen 19 targets in his last two games. And on DK now, he's 3,700. He's been one of the bigger disappointments this year for season long fantasy people, but um, I think he's a pretty interesting DK tournament play at, at that price under 4K. So, and then and I also you know like Lamb and Cooper, frankly, in this matchup. I, I think Dallas can can throw against Minnesota's pass defense a little bit. Um, and to your point, yeah, I mean, I think maybe they can maybe they can cover the spread. Yeah, I mean, Amari's like five four, like that's way too cheap too. Like, yeah, I just I think that we just we're a little. I don't know. Like the Dalton stuff has been bad. He, you know, it was a limited game. It was, it was a bad game in Washington with weather. Um, and then we see, you know, the, all the issues that they've had since, I mean, they've had 47 possessions since Dak went down. Uh, they've scored on two of them. Uh, and there was, I think in uh rebars uh, worksheet this week, <laughs> that's really rough. Um, but again, like unsustainably more, rough, right? Like unsustainably rough. So that's kind of bad. my point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like Minnesota, like, I, they're just, they're not that good. Like they're just, they're not. And they have, you know, the defense is not great. 
and there's still really good playmakers on Dallas's side. So, uh, you know, I just getting more than the than a touchdown uh, definitely makes me interested in Dallas here. Um, yeah, Connor, what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, no, no takes on the spread really for me. I think you guys brought up some good points. My biggest thing here is I think that there's like a legit chance that, you know, Minnesota runs the ball like 35 to 40 times. Um, and I don't even think that that's like that crazy in this spot. I mean, Dallas is 28th and run DDVOA and the Vikings. The, I mean, the past three games, Dalvin cook has 30, 22 and 30 carries. Um, like that seems to be kind of what they're going back to and like really committing to it. And in a matchup that's good, like, you know, as long as they're moving the ball, I think that there's gonna be plenty of carries. So my biggest thing will probably be like attacking Dalvin cook carries, maybe some rushing yards, depending on what it is. They've been getting a little out of hand in terms of the, in terms of the prop market, but, um, that's, that's probably my biggest takeaway from this game. Otherwise, um, maybe some cousins attempts under, but I mean, you guys are saying that you, you think the game might be a little closer. I just don't really know what to do with Dalton. Like, been one and a half games this season looked really bad against Arizona got knocked out against Washington so uh I just don't know I mean I think you're you're probably right to buy low on a guy like Gallup and I think the props are going to be like insanely lows yeah and it's a dude they can get there in like one or two balls so like yeah exactly for sure that could be a good points betting opportunity honestly with Gallup because the number is going to be like 24 25 like the downside is only like 25 x your money the upside is like 75 x your money if he hits like a you know 100 yards which is definitely possible in the range of outcomes and and again 19 targets yeah yeah Yeah. i told that's a great call 19 targets the last two weeks like he could have a 100 yard game (laughs) you're right yeah, for sure. This is what we should have done with John Brown a couple weeks ago in that spot. Like, you're right. We talked about it. We didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, maybe Gallup is the right way to attack it this week. All right, good call, Ben. I like it. All right, we'll buzz through these two primetime games so we can get on to the football. Kansas City is on the road against the Raiders. Um, back up on the board came down yesterday with the, basically the entire Raiders organization, um, you know, having COVID contact tracing issues. Um, eight point total or eight-point spread here on KC side, 56.5 is the total. Um, multiple narratives here at play, guys. I don't know if you've uh, heard about Andy Reid historically coming off a of bye. Apparently, he's really good. And uh, he's also really mad, apparently, about the Raiders literally taking a victory lap in the team bus after their win at Arrowhead earlier in the year. Um, so you want to build that into your model and price that as you need to. Um, really good spot, obviously, for the Chiefs to bounce back and uh, get some revenge. Uh, ben, what are your thoughts here? Uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that was an interesting game last time out. Uh, Nelson Aguilar had a 50 plus or 40, at least 40 plus yard touchdown in the second quarter. And then a little bit later in the quarter, uh, rugs got deep for a 72 yard touchdown, really changed the game. That big second quarter for the Raiders. Um, and it seemed like Kansas city was really trying to key on Waller underneath and they got beat over the top a little bit. I think they'll, they'll clean that up. That's not really Derek Carr's game. I don't think that's really something that I would expect to happen again, where he hits on two long touchdown passes. Uh, I think Casey rolls in this one. Um, But yeah, it is a 10 point spread. I I think part of my, it's a high over under for a 10 point spread. If they, if they win by two touchdowns, you know, Mahomes has smashed the last couple of weeks, but Kansas city has shown a willingness to run with, with big leads. I think there is some potential that this game goes under. I mean, I, th- I should certainly think when 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 the uh, the game total is as high as this one, that's where the value lies. Um, I think they do a better job of containing those big plays for the Raiders, like I said, and then take a lead and then maybe run the ball a little bit more than they had the last couple of weeks where Mahomes has thrown, I think, nine touchdowns, um, but look a little bit more like they have in, in the, the prior weeks when they were more willing to run the ball a little bit. 
and uh, th- th- this game probably goes under. I had, got lucky and caught a six and a half uh, earlier in the day just before this one moved to seven and then came down. So feeling really good about that. But I'm with you on the total. I think that's a little too high. But, um, you know, these offenses have both been really efficient this year, but uh, continue to to be a hard sell on the Raiders. I mean, like you said, just uber efficient on deep balls in that first matchup and um, think they're ready for it this time. But the Chiefs team total is something you can always sell me on regardless of how high that climbs up, especially in this spot. Connor, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, I mean, I, I took like massive action on, on Kansas City at minus seven, um, right? As soon as I, you know, saw yeah. that uh, the Raiders had like the COVID issues. I mean, even if like, even if they play like, you know, there's eight starters not practicing all week. So you're going against, you know, the best quarterback in the NFL. So, um, and then all, obviously all the other narratives were already, you know, understood. So I think that at seven, it was a good bet. And now with seven with their entire defense not practicing all week. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like that a lot. At this point, I'm not really sure what else I'm on, but um, yeah, I'll probably just stick to that. Yeah, there's a little five minute window there which stayed on on the markets before I came down. So good buying opportunity there for sure. All right, Monday night's going to be a good one. Rams on the road against uh, the Buccaneers. Uh, Tampa Bay four point favorites here at home. Uh, again, check your book. Forty six. I'm sorry, forty eight and a half is the total. Um, we know both QBs struggle against pressure. Although the Bucks are getting Ali Moppet back um, with concussion issues, he's missed the last couple games. On the other side, the Rams lost offensive tackle Andrew Whitworth, which is a real problem. We know that the uh, Buccaneers can get pressure, and uh, we know that Goff historically has really struggled when he's had someone in his face. Same thing with Brady, though. If you're you know having someone like Moppet back, it's harder to to rush them straight up the middle like we've seen the last couple weeks. Ben, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I like the Bucks. I mean, this is another one, and I, I don't read into the travel too much, but it is another one where you have a, a team traveling across. I don't read into it as much as I've mentioned on this show, but you have. A team I buy it too, though. I mean, I get. Into, I, I think. It, I think it matters. You know, they're sitting on nice private planes and stuff like that, but it's still you're still out of your system. Same thing with like being on the road. I know there's no fans, but you're you're still traveling. It's still different. Right, and and it's the long travel. In this case, it's yep. LA all the way to Tampa. Um, and it is a night game, so you don't have like you know the game clock stuff or any of that. But Goff isn't as good as on the road, or, or hasn't been for the majority of his career. Um, seems to like playing on turf a little bit more. I, I don't know if that actually is you know I, I don't have the stats in front of me on that, but I, I I don't really love him or this offense necessarily on on grass outdoor, um, you know, down in Tampa. So um, I, I'm on Tampa on this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna take them. I think they're about three and a half right now. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be on them to, to cover that, uh, one of the league's better defenses right now. And I just don't think that Goff is going to show real well, you know, on the road down there. Yeah. The last game was, you know, against the Seahawks was really maybe the first good team they've beat. I mean, they've really just kind of picked on some of the weaker teams in the league so far, but, uh, I'm with you. I like the Bucks here kind of at this number anywhere under six or so. Connor, what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, this this is kind of a weird game for me to break down. I, we like this Bucks team has been all over the place. Like sometimes they look unstoppable, sometimes they look like a legitimate like bottom twelve team, um, and they have just some weird losses here and there. Uh, but their their the, their defense is still elite, like no matter what. Uh, and I, I do think that some Rams rushing unders maybe in play here. Um, but uh, the workload split there is always a little bit weird as well. So I don't really have too many strong takes on this game. Um, maybe some Antonio Brown props. Um, 
he's been seeing, you know, pretty good target share lately. And um, maybe Ramsey lines up against, uh, is more likely to line, line up against Evans a little bit more, at least just, you know, some coverage there. I mean, he might see Antonio Brown. I'm just, we're not sure. Um, so I, I think that I think Antonio Brown, maybe, you know, maybe some, uh, some bucks action here because I, I do lean towards the bucks, but really this game might be a stay away until I, you know, break it down further. I think a little bit later in the week. I, I do think that Ramsey point is, is like that plays into the bucks favor because he's, he's so good. And, and then the Ram Stevens plays off that being able to, to take away for sure a, a top receiver, but the bucks have three top receivers. Yeah. And a pretty good tight end. Right. And some, you know, some pretty good running backs. They have so many options that, uh, it doesn't really line up well for the Rams. Yeah, since AB's been there, he leads in targets per route run. Evan leads in raw targets, and Goblin leads in snaps. So it's really hard to kind of differentiate where to go, especially with the Ramsey, uh, you know, piece to to fit in and how that kind of plays itself out. And then Rams backfield too is kind of a mess. KM Akers finally was getting some work, so that makes it hard for for props here too, or you know, showdown things like that. So uh, tough spot, but I definitely like the Bucks. Uh, Ben, you were the man. Thank you for hanging out with us. Went a little bit longer, but I think we had a lot of good stuff. And uh, again, first time having you on, but someone that's been on our wish list for sure this season and uh, happy to have you on. Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. This is a blast. Uh, I, I think we, we identified some good spots. I'm excited for, for week 11 now. Uh, tell everyone again, real quick where they can find your stuff. Yeah. Ben is the, where you can sign up for the newsletter. Come straight to your email um, for that stealing signals article where I break down every game every week. Uh, it's five bucks a month to get the newsletter. Um, and then I do the, the sports betting over odds checker. All my work is probably easiest to find on Twitter. I'm usually always retweeting out that stuff uh, at yards per grudge. It is $5 folks. Like, like don't buy, uh, a couple sodas next week. Like buy this article if you were not every week. It is definitely worth your time. Um, Very worth it. Yeah. Been around in different spots for a number of years and, and Ben puts in a lot of good work and definitely worth your time. So for Ben and Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll be back to do it again next week. Thanks for listening.